Running the bases with small businesses. I'm Randy Rohde, and I have a passion to work with small businesses, and I love baseball. So I thought, hey, let's bring them together. So every episode, I sit down with local entrepreneurs, business builders, and small business owners to talk about their wins and whiffs, their tools of the trade, and to give actionable tips to other business managers. We'll cover the bases with entrepreneurship, operations, sales, digital marketing, innovation, plus a little fun baseball talk. Thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say, play ball. Okay. Some of my favorite words, play ball. Uh, Very nice. There we go. Love that little flare right there. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Running the bases with small businesses. I'm Randy Rohde. And our guest today is a 20-year veteran in the Air Force. In fact, flew the stealth fighters, uh, one of only a handful of people in the world, is the founder, CEO of Afterburner Financial And you can also catch him on his newly launched podcast, On Time, On Target. Happy to have on board today, Steve Anchorstar. Welcome, Steve. Thank you so much, Randy, for having me on and uh, looking forward to the show and let's play ball, right? Yeah, right. Oh, hey, I love it. You even get into the the baseball motif here. Very nice. Listen, hey, so Steve, before we jump into learning about your experience and, and uh, business in the financial planning, I have to ask you about your career as a jet fighter pilot and your contribution in the shock and awe campaign and the war in Iraq. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, sure. You bet. I, a little bit of a cheesy start to the story, but I was a junior in high school when Top Gun came out. So I walked out of that theater and said, that's exactly what I need to do with my life. And some folks chuckled about that. And my parents cautioned me to have a a plan B, if you will. But after many years, I finally got into pilot training and earned my way into a fighter jet. And flying fighters is a dream job. It's the, there's really nothing else I would rather do. I wish you could do it for more than uh, just a handful of years though, before you're too old and too slow to uh, continue to do it. But I was able to serve. I flew a couple different airplanes. The, uh, the F-15 was the first one I flew and then I flew the F-117. And like you mentioned, if everybody can flash back to 2003, mid-March, Donald Rumsfeld had the shock and awe campaign. And that was basically when we opened up what I call round two or round two of Iraq, and we went in there, obviously, in 91. But back again at 2003, and I flew the opening night strike there and dropped a bomb on a communication center north of town Mm. and was alone and unafraid there at the beginning of the war. So it was a pretty great experience. That is incredible, and especially the stealth fighters, which I remember when those launched or when the news um, kind of first published uh, that plane, that is the coolest, baddest looking plane I've ever seen. And like you, I love Top Gun. uh, And I thought that was amazing. But that is like you, it is a one seater. You are the only guy in the plane and you're flying in dark and unseen and you are just I don't even know what that experience would be like because you are the tip of the arrow, right? 
Well, it's a mindset shift from those of us that to be able to fly the F-117, you have to be an experienced fighter pilot in another airplane first, so about three to four years of experience. And in all the other fighter airplanes, you uh, you show up, you make loud noise, you beat your chest, you announce to the enemy that you're there, and then on a good day, they'll all just run away uh, from <laughs> you. And so it's different from being such an offensive-minded type fighter pilot to a defensive-minded person where you're trying to sneak in. Uh, undetected and do your work and then r run out of there as fast as you can after you've dropped your bombs, obviously, because th they know the gig is up when stuff starts blowing up around them. That is amazing. Well, thank you for your service and, and your time serving the country. Truly appreciate that. So let's jump in. Why don't you tell us about Afterburner Financial? How did you get started? What do you do? All of that fun stuff. Sure, you bet. Well, I, I would say, first of all, we'll start with the name. That's my uh, not not wanting to let go of my fighter pilot past. Right. And in the business, you get to about 40 years old, and that's when they take your airplane from you. And uh, they put you behind a desk, and you can lead others and continue on up the, and stay in the military for a long time if you choose. Uh, but a lot of folks, uh, once they take the airplane away, we kind of wrap up what we're doing and go off into the stage two in life. And thinking for entrepreneurs out there, whether it's the military or sitting in the corporate world, if you're in a very structured scenario like I had been, and I'd worked very hard and I'd done very done well, but at the end of the day, I had no real effect of my own financial future. I was limited by the system and you can only move up so fast in the system. So after about 20 years of following orders and not being able to strike out on my own and do things exactly like I wanted to, that's what drew me to my own business. And I was a lifelong investor, basically individual stocks for a long time. I got started when I was in high school. Mm. Um, so it was really a passion of mine. And the closer I got to retirement from the military, I found myself mentoring folks 18 to 22 that fresh out of high school or fresh out of college and say, hey, if you start now, it'll change your life and show them the numbers. And so I said, I was getting such positive feedback from doing that's what I wanted to do for my second career. So that's why I started as a financial planner and an investment manager. I do both with Afterburner Financial. But for the business owners out there, it's just me. So I'm the solopreneur, if you buy into that term, or a sole proprietor LLC is how I'm structured. Have the licenses, hung out the shingle, and, and off I went and uh, waited for the phone to ring. Good for you. So, so the love of numbers didn't start just uh, recently. So you've been a long time digging into investments and and loving building wealth. So, and you do more than just a personal financial plan. I, you actually invest. You do all of the kind of stock analysis and all of that activity. I do. And that, that's fairly rare. Uh, most folks that strike out on their own either pick one or the other. They either do the investment management and outsource the financial planning or do more likely do the financial planning than outsource the investment management. I think it comes from my background in the military, flying a $50 million plane by myself. I have no problem taking on the responsibility for both roles and I want to make sure it's done correctly so I can get into a pretty intimate relationship financially with my clients to really understand what they're trying to do with their money, their relationship with money, and then build a portfolio around basically investments they believe in versus if you uh, walk into a more cookie cutter investment firm, they're going to put you in a 
you know, 15 to 20 different mutual funds or index funds. And you really don't know what you own at that point. I mean, it's hard to know who to cheer for. Uh, so I try to get people a little more personalized experience and a little more in-depth with their investments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. So, and, and it kind of answers, I was wanting to go in a little bit and just ask why this type of business and what your unique solution is in it. And I think you probably actually described it already, which is you bring the combined effort or focus that's both investing and financial planning. So that really is your unique value proposition as a, in the industry. Sure. And, and I also believe in investable themes or focused investing. There are several names for it, but I try to, instead of owning the entire market and all of the ups and downs with the market. We focus portfolios in certain areas if the individual has the risk tolerance for it. So when you run into situations like back in March, it's actually a boon and you can make a lot of money if you're more nimble and willing to move in and out of positions. And again, there's a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people say it can't be done. I I love the challenge and I can assure you that it can be done, but that's, that's my passion. And that's what I've always done with my own investments. And it's treated me uh, very well. And just in baseball, the best hitters in the game, three or four out of, you get three or four hits out of 10, 10 at bats. As an investor, you're not going to bat a thousand at all. But if you can get up into that 60, 65% and take some uh, pretty heavy positions, you can really make a lot of money very quickly. So that's what I do for folks. That's my passion. And then I'll outsource things like tax preparation and tax loss harvesting, and as well as some of the estate planning things. Since mm-hmm. I'm so busy, tied up into the weeds of the investment management, so I have to rely on others for, for some of the other things out there. Right, right. So I know so much of the stuff that you do is, I think, is fairly complicated and intricate because the world of finance and all of the different types of not only just investment vehicles, but strategies and things that you employ is uh, is crazy. It's almost like baseball. Um, yeah, well, and the rules keep changing, right? Almost, <laughs> yeah, you know, like exactly. baseball, too. Yes, but yeah. I, will, I, I do have to say, if you think uh, when people are, because a lot of folks take shots at my uh, particular philosophy, but if we think back, how did our parents and grandparents invest. Mm. They were in individual stocks. Uh, they had heavy positions, usually with the firm that they uh, they worked with. The proverbial box full of stock certificates in the closet. So, yeah. And some people don't like individual stocks, and I certainly don't try to talk people into it. Uh, but if people see the value in it, then yeah, let's let's get people in individual stocks and have them, you know, build a portfolio they can believe in. Right. Right. I think now we're not a financial talk show, but I I will say, we could probably spend hours talking about finance and investing. I just think this is like a crazy time in the market because the market is, I I don't know if it's completely, I don't think it has yet completely rebounded from the kind of pre-COVID yet, but the market continues to rise. Gold is at it, just set like an all-time record the other day. And I'm trying to like, okay, usually that doesn't, kind of go in sync hand in hand like that. Usually gold goes up when the market is down and uh, it's just a very crazy kind of climate, I think, from an investing standpoint. And I'm not going to ask for advice, but I I don't know. It is, it's got to be a challenge for you, I would think. And in your business and steering clients and handling that, I don't... It, now you're a fighter pilot in the background, so you're used to that 
danger, but it would make me very nervous. Well, a couple things, and, and you're right. We largely, since the 80s, uh, been uh, beat over the head with the philosophy that you should own a bunch of mutual funds and just own the whole market and don't try to attempt to, to make any uh, surgical plays within the market. And if you do that, then these times of high volatility or the sell-off of you know COVID-19 back in March, that that's nerve-wracking. That's so stressful for folks that are basically... Uh, just staying on the coaster and closing their eyes during those times. But if you can be a little more nimble, a little more focused, you'll find that there's lots of opportunities. And, and to your point that, sure, the market is, it's not quite rebounded all the way. Some of the technology stocks have outpaced where they were and certainly gold going up. And what I told folks back in March is money is like water. So it has to go somewhere. So a lot of the money that's basically sloshed out of the market when everybody was selling hard in in the beginning of March, that money sat on the sidelines for just a little bit, but then it found its way right back in the market. And that's why the market recovered. And then the the gold's basically on its way up for the people are concerned about the election and the divided nation we have and some other things at hand. It's a tenuous time going into a tenuous elect- elections. All right. So you've been in business. So you launched Afterburner Financial. I love the name in 2004. And so you've seen, you've been around the block. You're what we would call in the uh, baseball terms, you're a veteran, a grizzled veteran, been on the bus a few years. So, and we know hey, starting a business, running a business, it's tough. So what have been some of the challenges that you have had to overcome during the last 16, 17 years. How did you do it? What were some of those things? Right. Well, and a quick correction there, it was 2014 that I started. That oh, right I'm sorry. I retired. Okay. So, so six years, but I do feel like uh, I've, I'm a grizzled veteran from the experience. And I would say that probably resonates with other folks out there that have been been in business for more than just a few years is that it feels like a long time uh, that I've been in business. I will say that some of the challenges I faced is I came from a background where self-confidence is generally a, a very strong point with fighter pilots. And so battling all of the unknowns was okay, not too nerve wracking. But what I was surprised about is the I hung out the shingle and I expected the phone to ring. I put out the website and I expected people to go to it. And what I really had no idea how to do was market myself other than wear a flight suit and walk around and expect people to to hand over their lifelong money and trust me because I flew airplanes. So it took a lot, it took a long time to put the analogies in place about risk management and then explain my background before I could actually sell. So if I would advise somebody out there, it's get into marketing earlier. It won't happen magically. <laughs> I, I stared at the phone for a long time watching it not ring when I could have been doing other things with my time to help my help myself out. Mm. So slow start, if you will. That, that's okay. <laughs> it all happens. <laughs> it all comes together though, right? Uh, all right. Well, so as a solopreneur, that's a great term. And I know many of the people in our audience are in that scenario. How do you stay focused? What keeps you moving forward? Because you don't have an office full of people that you're bouncing ideas off of and and getting that energy and vibe from. So how do you keep focused and keep moving? 
Well, one, one thing that I did do correctly and that I would advise others to, to do is have a written financial plan, or excuse me, a written business plan uh, from the beginning. So I did have that written. I did have metrics uh, in place because I knew that might be a challenge, uh, especially through the ups and downs of owning and running a business. So I had very specific monthly goals uh, to meet and, of course, tracked my progress through all of those goals. And that was my motivator. Uh, and that was motivating me because I, I need to meet these goals. And then also that I need to trust the system that it will work. Uh, I don't need to make $100,000 in revenue overnight because that's not how it works. But basically set these smaller goals for me to achieve things uh, along the way. And then once uh, about two years ago, once I got enough clients, uh, the clients keep me plenty busy now. So they ask questions and I'm always back and forth communicating. How are you feeling? Especially with the election coming up is we just saw COVID-19 and we made a pretty decent amount of money out of that. Now let's talk about the election and the different possibilities out there and getting the client's minds about how they feel and how much of a ride they are willing to take through that time. Yeah, I can only imagine having in your position and having clients, especially coming through the last six months or so, I'd be probably calling you every other day, Steve. <laughs> and, and that's what your advisor's here for. And yeah, actually yeah. the business grew through that time because a lot Good. of advisors don't like that side of the business when things aren't going well. Uh, they don't right. like, uh, I relate it to you know football, uh, but you could relate it to baseball too. Being the manager's great in the post-game co- uh, media conference when you win. It's not as fun when you sit there 40% of the time and explain what you got, what your team needs to do better. Mm. So you have to be able to handle both the ups and downs of the job. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve, I have to tell you, it is time. And it's time for the seventh inning stretch. Love this part of the show. And um, you are probably the only guest that I can even think ever that we may ever have where you have an experience in the 2002 World Series that I don't know that uh, we'd ever be able to repeat from anybody on the show. Why don't you tell us about your experience at the 2002 World Series? Well, well, I was very blessed to do a flyover of game one of the 2002 World Series, and it really happened by chance. When you're talking major sporting events, those are generally reserved for the aerial demonstration teams, the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels with their beautiful formations. Uh, but the Blue Angels, this was a, the first game was on Saturday and the second game was on Sunday. The Blue Angels went flew into town and they did a flyby there at Anaheim. And you can picture if you've been to California and the game generally starts around sunset and they were flying into the sun, the way the stadium's laid out. If you happen to have been there, right down I-5 and you turn right at the certain building and fly on in. And they landed down at Miramar where I was at an air show with a couple of other pilots and another, we had two F-117s with us. And they landed, and one of the buddy, one of my buddies was former Navy and knew one of the guys. So we walked over there just to say hey and and talk to him. And they're like, right. "Hey, do you guys want to do a flyby?" And so, what are you talking about? And they're like, "We can't. We aren't legal to do our flyby because of the visibility. We can't do it in formation, and they don't do anything single ship. So they all. It's either six of them or none of them. And they said, "Do you guys want it?" And my friend and I said, "Well, yes, we do." 
but we need to make some phone calls. So he gave us the Anaheim Angels uh, handler, if you will, their public relations person, her phone number. And I called her and said, we're in, but we need to get approval, which might take all night long. But we literally, it took about two hours to run up to the general officer level at the Pentagon to get us approved to go and do that. And then I flew over game one, went to game two. And after game two, the after the flyby, because you always have one person on the ground calling it in, making sure on time, everything's perfect, uh, like it should be, just like everything else in right. the game, right? Well, I was... I had this radio with me and I had my girlfriend, now my wife with me at the time. And this radio is expensive. And I, I asked my handler, I'm like, is there a place I can put this radio during the game that's locked up so I don't have to carry it? It's, you know, 1970s technology, <laughs> you know, weighs like 40 pounds because I really don't want to lug this thing around while I'm trying to enjoy my first ever World Series game. And she goes, I do have a place. And she said, the organist is locked away. She locks the door for the whole game. Yeah, and so she, she talked to her and said, "Hey, is it okay?" And I put the radio in there, and I was stepped out of the organist area, and I happened—I'd done some research. I happened to see Jackie Autry step in the hallway, and I said, "And she's the owner of the her husband, Gene Autry, used to own the team, and then after he passed, she owned the team." Mm. And I mentioned to her, "I'm in green flight suit, so so is my girlfriend at the time," and I mentioned, "Good luck tonight, ma'am." And she looked at me and she asked the same question that everybody always asks is, was that you that just did the flyby? <laughs> well, no, that's physically impossible. But, but I said, it's no, but I did last night's. Was last night okay? Uh -huh. And she almost started crying. She came over because Gene Autry, was, her husband was a pilot before he was famous. <laughs> so she came over and gave us both a big hug and then said, hey, do you want to come into the owner's box and watch the game? And we did and spent the whole game there next to Ernie Banks. I'm trying to watch baseball and he's trying to ask me about flying fighters. <laughs> so it was fun. <laughs> we got to go down on the dugout during the seventh inning stretch and yep. they played God Bless America. So with the, we had two, two pilots there as well as a few of our maintenance officers drove up, maintenance folks drove up. So it was really a Really an amazing experience. That is. Was all being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Oh, such a great story. And as I said, I'm sure I will have no other guest that will be able to tell a story like that. Wow. What plane were you flying? The F-117? That was in the F-117. So okay. The, the black triangle plane. And it was on, of course, there's, uh, I think, four seconds of footage. Uh, it's still on YouTube nice. where they have the whole game televised on YouTube. So I can see myself do a little flyby and it looked good. Not going to lie. Yeah. Right on time. So as it should be. <laughs> good for you. All right. Well, congratulations. And uh, all right. Well, let's get back into it. Thank you, Steve. Play ball. Okay. Any similarities between being a small business owner and a fighter pilot? Anything you can draw from your experience 20 years flying versus kind of the flying you're doing today? I, I do. Absolutely. I think that's a great question. I wish more people asked that. <laughs> I think there's a self-confidence aspect to it. Before you step out on your own, I think one thing when I talk to folks, because I do some motivational speaking as well, and the first person that asked me, hey, I was thinking about stepping out on my own. And the first, I just cut them off and say, nope, you're not the right person for that. And then I pause to see how they react. And I say, okay, that was an academic answer. Now, how did that make you feel? Did you feel like, yeah, he's right. I probably shouldn't do that. 
Or did you get mad? Were you like really ticked off the second I said that? And who is this guy? And who does he think he is? I go, now, if you had that reaction, you're probably going to do pretty well. <laughs> so self-confidence is the, is the one of the two key ingredients that I would say that transfers from flying fighters hmm. to a small business ownership. And the, and the second one is risk management. You have to know what's going to knock you out of the game. Hmm. So whatever your industry is, and in financial management, I can lose clients. The market can go down. I can lose clients. But what I can't handle is a compliance violation. That's what knocks people out of the financial services for industry. So my particular threat, if you will, instead of dodging surface air missiles, my particular threat is compliance and making sure that I'm doing everything absolutely by the book and taking the time to do all the paperwork because that's really the only thing that can knock me out of the game. And, and every industry is different. So as you go into the industry, just think about what could knock you out of the game and, and have a couple of clients that are you know, small business owners. And of course, they never thought a pandemic right. you know, would be one of those situations, but guess what it is. And then, yeah, that's been tough for a lot of folks out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Those are two great kind of skills or qualities, I think, making that craft server and exchange. So obviously you're still in business. Do you still fly? I don't. I decided once it was flying is so much fun and I love it so much. I kind of, it's one of those, you have to know yourself. And I was going to try to fly for the airlines part-time. I have my license, but then I was like, I'm not really doing right by my clients if I'm off, uh, if I'm off flying all the time. And then I thought, well, I could teach here locally. And then I was like, that's ah, probably not right either. Cause I would spend all my time at the airport and not building my business. Yeah. So I wanted to go all in on my business. And I even told my wife of 12 years at the time and said, Hey, I'm going to go all in on this. The stats are that, you know, what 80% of small businesses fail or whatever they are. And I said, I would rather do, I would rather have tried this and then failed. And then I can go fly for the airlines than not have tried it at all. So I wanted to make sure that I really gave myself all the advantages that I could. So I stepped away from flying, but I am waiting for a client to call me up and say, Hey, I just bought an airplane, which is generally not the best investment. But I, could, <laughs> I could work with that. And they want me to teach them to, fl to, to fly it. So I have all the licenses. I can fly a lot of things out there, except for your very unique things. But yeah, maybe someday, maybe but someday. Right now it's just too much fun building the business, right. uh, taking care of folks. And especially during these tough times yeah. and then uh, just starting my own podcast too. So yeah. that's um, ha having fun learning there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And uh, I hope that client does come through your door someday. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you do a lot of community speaking and uh, speaking engagements, I'm sure probably at schools and youth groups and what have you. Why do you do that? And What's your key message that you bring to those events? The why is easy. It's my way of paying back. I'm very aware that I got to do something that a lot of people wanted to do, and it's very competitive, and I made it all the way through. So especially to fly something as unique as the F-117. So my way of paying back to the taxpayers who funded my flying for several years, and I don't even want to show them what the tab was on that, but uh, it's very expensive to get our frontline warfighters, our fighter pilots. You need to fly two, three times a week, 10 times, 12 times a month. That's a lot of money to keep us ready to go for when we're needed. Yeah. Um, so it's my way of paying back or maybe, if you will, feeling guilty for all that money I use to become a tip of the spear kind of guy. Uh, so I like talking to anybody who will listen. I, when I talk, it's almost entirely about flying. 
Nobody really wants to hear about finance stuff. And I understand <laughs> that. Um, but the message, I like to tailor the, I have a black flight suit that I wear that looks very professional and it kind of allows me to, to run around and, and look like a pilot. But whoever calls me to speak, I will tailor my message uh, to them. Lately, it's been resilience. We're talking about mm-hmm. losing comrades in battle as the same sort of thing as the, the government shuts down. It's something you just, nobody saw coming. And how do you deal with that on a human perspective to compartmentalize of, okay, this is a terrible situation, but as a leader of either a small business, especially if you have people counting on you or your family, it's, that's not the time to shut down. It's the time mm-hmm. to work even harder yeah. uh, to dig yourself out of whatever situation that you're in. Yeah. Um, with kids, almost always trying to motivate them to uh, be productive members of society. <laughs> So I don't care what you do, but go be proud of whatever it is you decide to do. And then in the finance world, if I'm, if I ever show a chart, I show the, it's one chart and I say, kids, if you can understand this, you'll be rich beyond, beyond your wildest dreams. And that's one line is your income. And the other line is expenses. I'm like, as long as you keep the expense line below the income line, you won't be robbing yourself of your future and you'll be rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, I don't care what your income is. You don't have to make, make millions. You just have to make a decent income, yeah. spend less than that, and you'll be rich for the rest of your life. That's a good life lesson right there. Thank you. And I love the idea, and I think it's so appropriate for today's world, is that message of resilience. It's been so difficult the last six months or so across the world and and our country. And that message of resilience is, I think, People need to hear that and very appropriate in today's environment. So that's great. I'm, I'm glad you're out yeah. there doing that stuff. And I'm glad you're out there still serving the country. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And I, I agree. I'm particularly sensitive to the resilience even before COVID-19, uh, after spending so many years in the military and being a commander. Uh, we saw a lot of suicides in the military and we mm-hmm. still do. So when I start talking about people say, how do, you know, how do you get rich or how do I become wealthy? And I always say, well, it starts with you first. Your self-worth has to be in line. And if it's not, then all the money in the world won't make any difference. So really it's a take care of yourself first. That's the first step one. Then your network of friends and family that needs to be in place. And those two things need to be rock solid before you ever really need to worry about money Mm. (laughs) because money can't fix either of those things. Right. And that, of course, those those skill sets parlay into times like this where you do have to be resilient and uh, whether it's just yourself or you're taking care of others. uh, Yeah. We need you at your best version of yourself when in times of need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned a little earlier and I refer to it as well, your podcast, which you've recently launched on time on target, which also is a flying reference, uh, military reference, I think. And I'm sure that's part of your strategy for marketing your business and for growth. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what are maybe some of the other strategies you're beginning to employ or have been employing? Sure. I'd love to. I I wanted to start this podcast right at the same time I started my business, but I was too scared. I didn't want to bite off more than I wanted to take it sequentially because I didn't know if I could make both uh, happen at the same time. But the purpose of the podcast is, and I won't say it's unique to the military, but it's certainly something that's trained into you in the military, is A lot of people have big goals out there and they're dreamers, but really the roadmap to get you or the flight plan to get you from A to B is the hard part. 
everybody can picture themselves as a wealthy, successful, perfect marriage, uh, happy family, all those. You can picture those, but it's what do I need to do every day to get there? And my background in the military, especially when it something as complex as navigating enemy air defenses and putting bombs on target on time, that is that skill set of breaking down the end goal, walking backwards to where you are right now, and then planning out every little move and contingencies along the way and really thinking through that. A lot of it's eyes closed kind of stuff, laying in bed, and you can actually just picture the entire mission and you're taking it piece by piece. You're not just assuming that this 10 minutes is going to go well, but you're doing every little thing along the way. So the idea behind the podcast is one of the first 10 episodes that I put out there is how much money should you have at a certain age, Mm -hmm. Uh, starting at age 25 and then 35 and 45, all the way up until 65 to give folks some marks along the way to know if they are on time on target, Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, like uh, when, when I talk and some ki- kids generally, adults don't ask them, but kids will say, what do I have to do to be a billionaire? And I said, well, you, you can't ever, you have to quit your job if you have one. That's step one, because you can't ever make it working for somebody else. So if mm. you have this high goal, you have to now look at, well, if that's the case, I have to start a business that kind of changes the world uh, to be able to get there. So most people's goals aren't that lofty, if you will, or that hard to achieve. But certainly you have to picture what are the little things like in a relationship you should be doing on a day-to-day basis to make sure that or increase the odds, if you will, of staying married to the same person for 30 to 40 years. Mm -hmm. So that sort of thing. It's financial based, but it's also just basic goal setting and goal achievement and how to think about things. Uh, to make it happen. Great. Great. All right. Well, how about strategies about moving your business forward? What are you doing from a marketing standpoint, aside from the podcast? Right. I'm quickly approaching a, a fork in the, where I have to make a decision with the financial uh, management business. So one person can handle about a hundred clients. That's, you know, that's from the mentors in the financial industry. Okay. So I'm quickly approaching that. So I'm going to either need to say no to new clients or I need to uh, reorient some of my smaller clients to somewhere else. So I have room to bring on um, other clients or I need to just say I'm closed to new clients and not bring anybody else on board. Or I'm sorry, that was the first one. Or I need to hire somebody. Right. Uh, to come in and now be able to service twice the number of clients. And I don't know which which I want to do. I don't know which would be the smartest. And as I was fleshing this out with a mastermind group the other day, the, the one thing that was nice that I had not heard before, but I think is helpful if other people are at a crossroads in their business, is they said, you know what, Steve, whichever one you choose is going to be right mm. because you're going to make it right. So I would offer that to the same folks out there, even though I don't know what I'm going to do. (laughs) I don't have my answer yet. But if you're in a situation out there as a listener, just know that whatever you pick, you are going to make it right because you're using the same skills that got you to the point to where you are, that they're all right answers. It's really just what do you want your life lifestyle to look like? That is a great comment. I love that on whatever path you choose will be the right one. Will be the right one. Yeah, because you'll make make it it work. Yeah, it'll happen. And and I know that's a difficult process to go through when you're at that juncture and you're like, do I grow? Do I stay? And we had a guest on uh, the show not too long ago that talked about as well this whole 
work-life balance and the importance of that for an individual right. and as well for people in companies. And that has to play a, a part of that as well, because, and I know I've have inflicted this on myself so often is that I've, I like, I got to get bigger. I got to get bigger and bigger, right? right? I got to, you know, drive that revenue line and there's a, an action and a reaction. And as I would push, there was the reaction that maybe I was achieving that, but I was also sacrificing, I think, some other things in my life that, you know, that was not appropriate, I, I will say. The, the work-life no, I, balance is something that I've learned, thankfully, over the course of the years. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's tough. Uh, it's a tough decision yeah. to make. Yeah. Well, good for you. Well, I'm glad you're in the position anyway. So that means you're doing well. So I was rolling into another question and who knows? So I usually ask a little bit about into the future, like where do you see Afterburner Financial in three to five years, right? And so you're like, I'm wrestling with that right now. <laughs> yeah. I always thought I, I, I have it in my business plan. There's 19 total people in Afterburner Financial when it's fully built out and I have their job positions set up. So the military planner in me, I have that answer. And the from listening to Michael Kitsis, which is the, the I'm sure he's younger than me, but he's the grandfather figure in the financial advisor world, walk down the path of as the founder of a business, you don't really make a lot more from the time you start hiring people until you're fully built out that could be 10, 15 years and your right. sal your salary stays the same and might even drop yeah. if you can't make enough revenue to cover all, because, and you get all the headaches that you go with it. So I've always pictured it fully built out, but I am really enjoying uh, just being me. I've worked from home from day one. So this whole of the COVID environment yeah. was uh, nothing for me. And if anything, it, it, it brought my clients up to speed that, yeah, we could hop on a Zoom call really quick and, and talk about what we need to instead of having to meet for lunch and go through the, the big dance of scheduling and appointments. Now let's hop on and, and take care of it. So we'll see what the future holds. I, I'm, I want to guard the, uh, the freedom and lifestyle that I have right now, but I also I, I do think that I believe in what I do and I'd like to be able to extrapolate that out uh, into a full enterprise. So I don't know the end of my story. All right. Well, that's good. Well, obviously we're hoping the, the best for you and all of that. We're coming down in, to the bottom of the ninth. And typically I love to ask our experienced guests, our grizzled veterans, what advice do you have for the rookies in the game? These guys who are just starting out, maybe thinking about starting uh, their own business. What kind of advice do you have uh, for them sharing from your experience? Sure. I say this all the time and it's always move forward. And I don't mean on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. There are things, if you have high aspirations, whether it's to become a professional athlete or a fighter pilot or build out your own business or become a CPA or whatever, a, a lawyer, whatever it is, is do something every day. Public education kind of starts to train you towards that. And that's for a reason because you just can't consume all the information. 
out of nowhere. It takes time and it takes effort daily. So make sure you continue to do that once you leave your formal education, whether that's high school, college, or a postgraduate, is the same skills that made you successful in school are the same skills that are going to make you successful in life. If you take a day off because for health reasons, then do so, but you want to get right back to it as soon as you can if you want to make that dream a reality. Great words. Good advice from the the grizzled veteran. <laughs> I don't know. You're not that grizzled. So. <laughs> I feel grizzled. <laughs> you feel grizzled. I'm sure you've been around the block. I'm sure around the country in your seat, actually. Okay. So I want to give you a shot here. Again, we've got the, the podcast on time, on target. And I assume people can grab a hold of that on any of the major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, all of those, right? Absolutely. Okay. I use Libsyn, so they mar- they make sure it's on, er, hanging everywhere. Okay, uh, good. So yeah, on time, on target, or you can just search my last name. I'm the only anchor star's a unique last name, and and there's only I'm the only one with a podcast. Okay, so, good. Uh, that's the podcast, and then Afterburner Dash Financial. You just Google those two words together, you'll see you'll All see right. my you'll see my website. If you like airplane pictures. Check out the websites. You'll see some. Nice. I will do that. And we'll have all of your contact information as well in the show notes. And so people can go check that out and uh, connect with you in whatever fashion that they feel comfortable with. So that's terrific. Listen, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a great pleasure. I think I could talk with you for hours in regards to flying, as I'm sure everybody, even Ernie Banks, right? So exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, listen, best of luck to you in uh, whatever choice uh, you make, whatever path you go down there. And thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Randy. Loved being on. Loved chatting with you. All right. And as we say, that's the ball game. So thanks for joining us today. If you like the show, please tell your friends, subscribe, and of course, give us a review. And as we like to say, we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the bases with small businesses is brought to you by 38 Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.